You're listening to Coldo D. Messianic Congregation's weekly podcast. Our services are every Saturday morning at 11 a.m. For more information, like us on Facebook or visit our website at coldod.org. So let's look to the parasha right now. We're post-flood, post-mabul, the flood. Noah and his family have been uh, busy rebuilding and repopulating the earth. And now, once again, perhaps 400 years later, God singles out a man, a descendant of Shem, one of Noah's sons. His name? What's his name? True, Avram. It was Avram. His mother called him Abi. But Avram was his name. It wasn't yet changed to Avraham. It was going to be, would be later changed to Avraham. And his wife, Sarai, later changed to? Sarah, right? Which is very significant. I mean, it has to do with their limited sphere of influence to uh, va- va- eventually over a multitude, eventually having a much greater sphere of influence. But in terms of both their names, princess of a nation, of, of, of a more than much more. So, um, <clears throat> so here uh, we have that call that Suzanne read earlier in the, in the Torah reading. Uh, now, Adonai 12, verse 1, Genesis 12, 1, Adonai said to Avram, get yourself out of your country, away from your kinsmen. Lech lecha, lech lecha, the name of the, 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 the that's what it is in Hebrew. You're away from your father's house and go to the land that I will show you. Notice that. Get it, leave it all, leave it all, and go to the land that I will show show you. God, you really lack clarity in your instructions. You're painting too broad a stroke, God. Why aren't you more specific? All you're telling me is, I will show you. That's all you're saying. Leave. I'm not going to, I can't be expected to go with that kind of information. It's not enough information. Well, God continues, I will make you of you a great nation. I will bless you, and I will make your name great. You are are to be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. That's in the plural. And I will curse the one, it's in the singular, who curses you. And by you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Wow. More on this in in a minute. So verses 4 and 5, so Avram went. He did it. As the Lord had said to him, and Lot went with him. And he was 75. Avram was 75 years old when he left Haran. Avram took his wife Sarai, his brother's Lot's son Lot, Lot or Lot, Lot is Hebrew, and all their possessions which they had accumulated, as well as the people they had acquired in Haran. And they set out for the land of Canaan, and entered the land of Canaan. So here they are called uh, at what would some, I was listening to one pastor, he mentioned something, he says what would be considered the time of retirement, 75, but really he lived to 175, so I don't know if really that would have been the time of retirement there. Uh, but he says leave your, he's leaving his security, his comfort, his position of prestige to go to the unknown. And again, couldn't God be more specific? Imagine the courage this took for Abraham. Lech lecha, go for yourself, as Suzanne mentioned. That's what it really means. Go for yourself. 
be understood different ways. Rabbis have different understandings of it. Go for your own benefit. Go you, just you. Well, he went with more than just him. Could mean different things. When Yeshua saw his bro- the brothers Peter and Andrew fishing in Matthew chapter 4, I think it's a nice parallel. In, they're throwing their nets out. Remember, not fishing like this, but fishing, throwing nets out, heavy nets. Then two brothers, Jacob and John, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. He called them and he said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. In each case, they immediately left their nets, the scripture says, the boat and their father, and they followed him. How easy do you think that was? Probably not too easy. Probably not too easy. Now, the land is promised four times in this parasha as an inheritance. The north, the south, the east, west, all the land to Abraham. And he promises, he reiterates the promise and expands it at different times. The origin of the Jewish people is one of adventure and risk, of necessary discomfort facing the unknown. It was not easy or convenient. Rashi notes the phrase, lech lecha, carries the weight of urgency. Go, go forth, go by yourself, do not hesitate, but go immediately. This was abrupt. Avram abandons his home, birthplace, family, friends, and the security of his father's house, and even an inheritance. Our origins of faith or trust were not easy, but difficult. He would ultimately travel 400 miles away from his home. I mean, a lot of believers saying, I could never leave my home. (laughs) Well, what is faith all about? It's about trusting God. It's about being willing to do what's not comfortable, what's not necessarily what we want to do following the Lord. Likewise, the sign, the oath, the sign of the covenant in Genesis 17, circumcision, mul, was not comfortable or convenient, but very painful. Look at verses 6 and 7 of chapter 12. Avram passes through, he passed through the land to the place called Shechem, to the Oak of Moreh, the Canaanite were then in the land, and the Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your descendants, I'll give this land. So he has obeyed, he's made the difficult decision and enacted it. So now the Lord says, the land that I said I'd show you, I'm going to show you this land, well, guess what? I'll be giving it to you, well, actually to your descendants. And I could see Abram saying, or thinking, what descendants? I don't have any. But what does he actually do? He builds an altar, it says, in worship. And he keeps traveling. And then he builds another altar in worship here. And he calls upon God's name and continues traveling. He is an amazing Man trusting the Lord. Listen to Hebrews 11 in the New Covenant, in the Brit Hadashah, in the New Testament. 
Brit Hadashah, the new covenant. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of realities or things, what? Not seen. Let's say not seen. Not seen. That's the key. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things or realities not seen. Of Abraham, it says in verse 8, by faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place he was to receive as an inheritance. He went out not knowing where he was going. Not knowing where he was going. So God calls Abraham with a threefold promise. And a good way of remembering it is this way, categorizing it this way. He promises to, one, give him and his descendants a great land. Haaretz, much real estate. Haaretz, much real estate. Number two, to make of him a great people, a nation. Ha'am, and people. Many children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, etc., Number three, to make him a great blessing. The ability to have positive, supernatural, global impact. So a great land, great people, a great blessing. The Jewish people have been the source of blessing to the world in many areas, such as agriculture, medicine, science, technology, chemistry, economics, physics. Among Nobel Prize recipients, Jews are 27% while currently only making up 0.2% of the world's population. But the most significant area is the area of faith, emunah. The Jewish people have given the two most important things to the world, the Bible, the Bible. And what's the second most important thing? Well, not in order, but yes, the Mashiach, the, the Messiah, the Messiah, Christ, the Messiah, the Christ, Jesus, Yeshua. So the Bible, Romans 3, 2, first of all, they were entrusted with the sayings of God. Deuteronomy 4, 6 through 8, it's your wisdom and understanding. This is your wisdom and understanding. The eyes of the people, of all the people who will hear all these statutes and say, surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. What great nation is there that has statutes and ordinances that are righteous like all this Torah that I'm setting before you today? They've been trusted with the sayings. We were entrusted with the sayings of God. The Messiah, Romans 9, 5, to them belong to the Jewish people, the patriarchs, and from them, according to the flesh, the Messiah who is over all. God bless forever. Amen, Paul says. Galatians 3.14, in order that through Messiah Yeshua, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, the nations, so we might receive the promise of the Spirit, the Ruach, through trusting, through faith, through trusting. And so as you and I respond to the Lord's call to follow him, to follow Yeshua, to follow the Lord in trust, he will bless us and through us bless the world with his word and his salvation. And remember the word barach, let's say barach, the word bless means power growth, to empower growth. To empower, that's what blessing is. God empowers us to grow more like him in, in many ways or to grow in whatever way, it, depending on the context. So, 
Here, Abraham obeys. He goes. He, he's in the unknown. And what happens? A test. A test. Verse 10. But there was a famine in the land. So Avram went down to, into Egypt to stay there because the famine in the land was severe. After obedience, a test. The rabbis say Abraham had 10 tests. Whether or not the, we want to categorize it that way or not, calculate, there are different calculations of the 10, 10 tests. Um, but, ten, but, the, but this was clearly a test. And so God's saying, you're going to be a blessing. And here's, you can picture God saying, you're going to be a blessing and things are going to be great. And Abe's gets, Abraham gets there. What? Oh, no. A famine? You lied to me. You're not keeping your word. God isn't keeping his word, it seems. Because things aren't going great, but things are going bad, badly. Well, 1 Thessalonians 3 says we're appointed unto trials, appointed unto afflictions. Don't be shaken by these things. Don't be surprised when things go badly because that's, we're destined for that. That's part of what God has called us to in following him. Now, so what does he do in the case of the famine? He goes down to where? He leaves, goes down to Egypt. He leaves the place Cana on the, the land of promise and goes down to. Now, and then he gets into a big mess. He ends up, his wife's gorgeous, and they say, he says, uh-oh, I want you, you're going to have to lie in order to save me, myself, so they don't kill me. You're going to have to say you're my sister, not my wife. And he, he, he makes a mess of things. He, he, he compromises. Instead of trusting God, what would have happened if he'd stayed in the land? Well, we don't know. We can only surmise. We can only speculate. And there are different opinions on it, even in the rabbis, of course. But I would go with the one, say, well, and it's easy for me to say, I'm not, I wasn't there. I'm not in a horrible famine, a severe famine, you know. I, maybe, I probably would have done the exact same thing. I probably would have left too and not trusted God. But he, he didn't trust God. But if, God, if he had stayed there, I, we have to believe God would have taken care of him. God would have supernaturally provided. God would have, and he wouldn't have had, but he didn't. He left, and he went down to Egypt. And even one, the, some of the rabbis, you know, there's the comments that believe that that's why the, the whole Egyptian slavery took place of our ancestors into Egypt later, many years later, but it's just a theory. But you know what? We make the same mistakes, don't we? Except for three people here. We make, we don't trust the Lord. We, we panic, you know, in a crisis, right? Things go wrong, and instead of trusting the Lord and staying put and saying, God, you are going to come through, we're going to pray, we're going to maybe get some others to pray, we, we take the, the way out. We say, I'm going to, I've got to run down, I've got to run to and compromise and do, and we do it, and we pay the price. God protected him, God still protected him, brought a plague on, remember, on the people there instead, and but was merciful, but he didn't trust the Lord. Now, what happens is they move on. He comes, he comes up from Egypt in chapter 13, and then Lot and Abram have a conflict. 
really their shepherds have a conflict. And we see they had many possessions. God is blessing them, their material possessions, and they have a, a conflict there. We see uh, in verse 5, Lot was going with him, and possessions were many. Verse 6, there was a quarrel between the shepherds of Abram's livestock and the shepherds of Lot's livestock. And so Abram said to Lot, please let there be, in verse 8, no strife between me and you and between the shepherds of, and my shepherds and yours, since we're relatives. The whole land's before you. Please separate yourself from me. If to the left, if to the left, then I'll go to the right. If to the right, then I'll go to the left. And Lot lifted up his eyes and saw that the whole area surrounded was, he, he sees how beautiful this Jordan area is, which was going to be eventually where Sodom and Gomorrah would be, the surrounding area. And it says in verse 11 very clearly, so Lot chose for himself that area. He chose for himself. So Abraham instead, does, he lets Lot choose his preference. And it says in verse 13, or he, or verse 12, he moved his tent, Lot did, to the place near Sodom, near Sodom. But the people of the Sodom were evil, very great sinners against Adonai. Verse 14, after Lot separated from him, Adonai had said to Abram, lift up your eyes. Now look from the place where you are. And here's the promise for the land again, to the north, south, east, and west for all the land that you're looking at, I will give to you and your seed forever. So what an amazing example, Abraham trusting the Lord, the separation. Abram says, I'll let Lot choose and I'll let God choose for me. He valued unity and peace over possession and power. And there's a principle there, I think. The answer to dissension is condescension. To disputes, deference. The remedy to relational conflict, in many cases, is compromise. To strife, servanthood. And if we're willing to trust the Lord and let go and die to ourselves, God will add and bless. God blesses him. God blesses him. You know, David, in 2 Samuel 15, abandoned his kingdom to Absalom, his son. His son, in 2 Samuel 15, stole his kingdom from him. He, was, he tricked him. He kept, he, he, in 2 Samuel 15, if you read the story of the revolt, he stood by the gate, and he talked to people privately. He got people alone, and he said, my father doesn't really know what he's doing, you know? He's really too busy to, but let me take care of you. Let me help you. And he met with people privately, you know, and he said, let me, let me, let me help you. I, I really understand your needs more. This is what he says, and it says in verse 6 of 2 Samuel 15, thus Absalom stole the hearts of the people of Israel. And it happened gradually, and David didn't realize he was doing it. He said, your claims are good, and my father doesn't care really about you, but I do. And as a result, David eventually, it says, left the hearts of the men of Israel are following Absalom, and David had to flee his kingdom, and the revolt took place. Well, later on, we know what happened. Absalom meets up with a horrible end. He's had long hair, and it got caught in a tree, and 
he's and and uh, David's um, Joab, I think it was David's guy. You know, speared him through, and David is restored to his kingdom later. He comes back um, after the after the death, but. It was, a, it was quite, a, quite a scene. But David trusted the Lord and let the Lord do it. And the, the Bible says, don't do anything out of selfishness or conceit, but with humility consider others more important than yourselves, looking not only for your own interests, but also for the interests of others. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Messiah Yeshua. Philippians 2, verses 3 through 5. This is what Abraham did with Lot. He said, Lot, it's not worth the fighting. It's not worth the conflict between our shepherds. Let's instead, you take what you want, and I'll take what's left over. And he gets, ends up taking the place, what's left over. And God blesses it. Well, Abram in Genesis 15, comes to a place where God appears to Abram and says, I'm your shield. And as that song beautifully was worshipped, we finished on today, we'll finish here on 15. He says, I'm your shield and your very great reward. Abram is promised by God to be his, to be to have God as his reward. And he says, Lord, but, I'm, but I don't have a, I don't ha- you're saying you're my reward, but I don't have a, any children. How are you going to fulfill your promise? And he doubts, seems to be doubting that God is going to do it. There's no evidence of a successor. Of some, how is, are his descendants going to be blessed and him to inherit the land? And he wavers here in verses 2 and 3. He says, I'm living without children. He says, I don't have any seed. All I have is my servant, Eliezer. And the Lord says, no, you're going to have it. I'm going to fulfill it. Look up at the heavens, and he takes him out to the sky, that beautiful scene, and he looks up and says, count the stars if you're able to number them. So shall your seed be. And then that famous verse, and so much of the New Testament quotes this verse Many times in verse 6, then he believed in Adonai and he counted it or credited it to him as righteousness. Verse 6, he believed in Adonai and he credited it to him as righteousness. Wow. Paul quotes it in Romans, Galatians. It's quoted so many times. This is, and yet Abraham did waver. He did doubt before this. And the New Testament seems blind to it. Paul says in Romans 4.20, he did not waver in unbelief concerning the promise of God. Rather, he was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. Why is that? Because God is blind intentionally to our, to our episodes of unbelief. How, how else can we say it? He sees this one episode of faith where he trusts God, and he says, that's who you are, Abram. 
That's who you are, son of God, child, daughter of God. That's who you are. You're, this is who I see you as, the time that, not that you doubt, not that you disbelieve, not that you fail, but the time that you succeed, the time that you trust me. That's who you are. And that's how God sees each one of us. It's an amazing principle. He records our episodes of trust, not our instances of distrust. And if you read Hebrews chapter 11, that's what it's all about. That's what it says. We won't see him. It doesn't, Hebrews 11 doesn't bring up the incident of him lying about Sarah, his wife. It doesn't bring up his, distrust, his, his doubts. And even Sarah it doesn't bring up her instance of having no child after she, in chapter 16, after the 10 years in Canaan, and uh, she's infertile. It's taking so long. And remember that pressure and impatience will easily lead to bad decisions. We always have to be careful that pressure and impatience will lead us to make bad decisions. So we don't want to make decisions under, under pressure that we later regret. I like to think of it as promise. God's promises are more like an oven fulfilled, more like an oven, not a microwave. You know, I don't like microwaves. I like ovens. I like cook oven. Toaster oven's fine. Um, so don't become sluggish, it says, but Imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises, Hebrews 6.12 and 6.15. After he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise, Hebrews 6.15. And therefore, don't cast away your confidence, which has great reward, for you have need of endurance, so that after you've done the will of God, you might receive the promise, Hebrews 10.35 and 36. I'll close with this. Rabbi Jonathan Sachs about Abraham and Sarah, I thought this was fantastic. He says, Abraham and Sarah says, no one in the Torah is portrayed as perfect. Noah, the only person in Tanakh to be called righteous, ends drunk and disheveled. Moses, Aaron, and Miriam are all punished for their sins. So is King David. Solomon, wisest of men, ends his life as a deeply compromised leader. Many of the prophets suffered dark nights of despair. There is none so righteous on earth, says Kohelet, that's Ecclesiastes, as to do only good and never sin. <clears throat> In the opposite direction, even the non-heroes have their saving graces. Esau is a loving son. When he meets his brother Jacob after a long estrangement, they kiss and embrace and go their separate ways. Levi, condemned by Jacob for his violence, counts Moses, Aaron, and Miriam among his grandchildren. Even Pharaoh, the man who enslaved the Israelites, had a moral heroine for a daughter. The descendants of Korah, who the big rebellion against Moses, Korah, sang psalms in the temple of Solomon. So God worked through even their descendants to reveal his grace. He's the God of all grace, 1 Peter 5.10. He's the God who prevails through it all. Isn't it amazing? And so Abraham and Sarah, famous yet flawed, hailed yet failed, saints but also sinners. And we thank you, Lord, for the example they give us of trusting you in the midst of everything, of, this, of faith and perseverance, faith and patience that the promise came. We thank you, Lord, for how that works in our lives as well, Lord, faith and patience. Hebrews 6, 12. Lord, help us. Lord, we have slip-ups, and we, will, we do distrust you. I know I do. I know I have failed many times. Help us to 
fail one time less. Help us to trust you and to see you have those bursts, those revelations, those burstings of trust like Abraham did when he saw the stars and he trusted you and said he believed you and you count that, credit that as righteous. Help us to trust you, Lord, for the promises that you are faithful to fulfill because you made them. In Yeshua's name, amen. Amen. And uh, if you've never trusted Yeshua and you're watching here or you're watching, you've never given your heart to the Lord, please don't put it off. Open your heart up. Say, Lord, I need you. I want to give my life to you. We'll have prayer in just a minute. As we close the service, there'll be folks here as we close the service in just a minute. Uh, for Someone can, will be happy to pray with you to seal that decision. But if you've never trusted Yeshua and invite him into your life, just say that prayer. Lord, I give myself to you. I want to trust you today. Forgive me of my sins. I'm coming to you. And he will do that. Ya era donai panave lecha vichunecha. Yesa adonai panave lecha. Biasem lecha shalom. Bisham Yeshua hamashiach sarha shalom. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. In the name of Yeshua, our Messiah. Amen. Amen. Shabbat Shalom.